Here's my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron, and my dad, Don. Hey, good morning, you guys. What's going on? It's episode number 97 of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron, live from the shores of South Lake Union in the Lush Rock Studios, and I'm Don O'Neill, and I'm live from the shores of uh, Mount Queen Anne. Uh, before we get rolling this morning, Ron, I don't know, did you see the new... Uh, did you see the new... Let me just show you here on Zoom. Did you see the new coffee mug uh, that Gunnar O'Neill got for his dad? Did you see that? He thinks he's... <laughs> he got this right. <laughs> I love you, Grandpa. <laughs> That's nice. I was wondering about that. What is the, what's the story there? He thinks old guy jokes now are super funny. They he are used, super funny. Because he, he used to think that I wasn't old, and then he'd always tell me that I wasn't old, and now he's decided that I am old. Since since he now has a frame of reference of kind of what it, how long it's taking to get to 10. Right. He's like, wow, for you to get to 53 and I'm at 10, because we both had birthdays in April, he's like, man. So he has a, he has a sense now of how old 10 is compared to 53. And he's like, dad, dad, you're real old. So I remember at that age, like the year 2000, I could not wrap my brain when I was around his age. I'm like the year 2000. Right. Like I, I'm like, that's impossibly old. Like there's no way that I'm going to make it to the year 2000. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is I, I have never seen anyone like over the age of, I don't know, maybe 50 still get balloons he made sure I had a set of balloons that let the world know that uh, I was now 53. That's very nice. So, so I got that in the Love You Grandpa mug. So. I might, I might uh, jump on that bandwagon. Start yeah, you calling you Grandpa. Grandpa you Don. Hey, we're going to get to a great show uh, here in a moment. I do have to say, I just want to give a shout out uh, to all the parents out there. That you and, and I was thinking about these parents a lot yesterday, especially if you're on a fixed income. And you are maybe maybe you contribute. You're the primary breadwinner, whatever it is for your household. And now you've been told to stay home. Now you're staying home with children that you're used to not staying home with unless it's the weekend. And now you're home together all the time. And on top of that, your your teachers now are really making an attempt. And my son's teachers are making a great attempt. Uh, to really teach him things on the computer. But what you're finding out is you, you kind of have to be a co-teacher in order to pull this off because you still, we still have PE. Uh, we still have theater. Uh, we you still have, trumpet have lessons. We have trumpet lessons. We do. We, we have black belt karate lessons that we do here at home on video with the black belt Academy. And then just all the other normal lessons that you would have with civics and mathematics and reading and writing reports. This week, we've been write, learning about alliteration and poems and haikus and all that stuff. So there's a lot going on here. And, and to, to wake up in that every day and then to start feeling the financial pressure. Uh, I read this morning that 3.4 million Americans decided this month that I'm not going to pay my mortgage. And it's not that I don't want to pay my mortgage. It's just that I have a little bit of money saved up. And if I spend this money on a mortgage and then I'm waiting for some kind of government check or settlement or my work to be nice or to even find out if I still have a job because 27, 28 million people this morning do not and that continues to climb, that is a lot of pressure. That is a lot of pressure. And how do you take the pressure off? Maybe you go see a friend every once in a while. You head off to the bar and you have a beer. You're not doing that now. So you're living in this confined space 
And uh, some of us have nicer spacers, uh, ni- nice, nicer spaces than others. And some of us have real small confined space, but if you live in an apartment, you have people above you and below you on the sides and everything else. So let me ask you this. So, so, uh, it's a, so, so I just want to say to all the parents out there, uh, and I was out in Discovery Park yesterday, uh, just running through there. My, there, there are signs up in Discovery Park, Ron, where it says, keep moving. And when you go to the park, the, the parking lots are closed, but there are big signs up about the expectations about socially distancing. If there's too many people in the park, if you don't keep moving in the park, but they'll close the park. Uh, so my son and I are out there. Usually we would fly kites in the parade ground and we're running around the parade ground and I'm running with Charlie and he's on his bike and we're in training. We, we were, in fact, I, I, I came by and I saw you yesterday after our training run. So. I know, it was awesome. So let, let me ask you this, and seriously, because I think most parents that I know of with kids around your age, this part of the year is really about making some really lasting memories with your kid. And so you typically, you get out of the school year, sometimes you graduate or next year you're going to go to a different school. So there's sort of an exclamation point at the end of the year where you have a party or a ceremony of some kind that your kid is going to remember. Then there are either uh, summer camps, maybe you're, you're playing a big trip, maybe you guys have been gearing up for months to go see Yosemite or you're going to go to visit grandma and grandpa or you're going to take a big trip somewhere or maybe they picked out, hey, I've always wanted to go to California or you're going to go to New York or whatever you're going to do. And then you're going to segue back into the next school year. There is a rhythm there that everybody knows. And so this year, it's very possible that we get to the next school year and it looks very different than this school year. Uh, There are people that are like, oh my God, like I had four summer camps planned or my kid was going to go spend a month with grandma and grandpa in a different state or we had planned a trip. We've been planning and saving up for it. My brother and I are scheduled for his birthday to go to Italy uh, at the end of August. We've been saving up and planning this trip for over a year. And, and both of us, it's a milestone birthday for him. It's a milestone birthday for me this year because we're 10 years apart. We've been saving up and planning this for probably 18 months. Mm. And so we're, and granted, we're not children, but I think a lot of people are going to be in that, in that same area where they've had stuff that they've been planning and saving for that is now maybe postponed or might just be in the scrap heap. And so talk to me a little bit about, like, what do you do with, how do you manage a 10-year-old who might have been under the impression that he was going to do X, Y, and Z, and he's been thinking about it all school year, because that's what I used to do. When summer comes, I'm going to go visit my Uncle Fred, we're going to go fishing, I get to drive the tractor, and I got all these things that I knew were going to happen, or I'd go visit Uncle Ron. And it's like, me and my cousin are going to go down to Dairy Queen, and we're going to jump off the bridge into the river. And, like, we had stuff that we were going to do. Yeah. 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 You know what? That that is a bit of a sensitive question for me because uh, I I felt last week like I didn't – he's sleeping right now. So I I just felt last week – I did not do a good job as a parent. So uh, I just, I felt, I, I, he, he, 
something is there's been kind of a shift where he has really started to miss his friends. And he's been asking me a lot about what it was like to have friends when I grew up. If he wants to know if his friends miss him. Uh, the, his teacher the other day said uh, she was missing her students. So what she did is she wrote notes and, and took pictures. She had pictures of the class and she sent him pictures and she did that for all the kids in class. When he went to bed last night, it was beautiful and heartbreaking all at the same time. He has those pictures lined up in his room and it's the first thing that he sees when he wakes up and before he goes to bed. So I went in there last night with him because uh, he asked me to come in and pray with him. So I go in and, and pray and I asked him about that and he just said that he was missing his friends a lot and he just, he hoped, he really hoped that his friends were, were missing him. So I, I would just, I, it, I would just say to parents and, it, and it's something that you've brought up a lot, Ron, is... And I think just being entrepreneurs, you and I have been entrepreneurs our whole life. When, when you wake up, you can just reflexively fall into the day or you can wake up and as you see all these pieces of paper around me, uh, these weren't things that I wrote this morning. These were things that I wrote last night. Uh, providing structure for my own life, which is really important. Uh, and then also providing structure for him. So I have the, I've showed you the board before. Hang on. So there's our, there's our board for today. That's the board. And, and we just, we had a much better day yesterday because the day was planned out the night before. Uh, we had structure, we had fun and, uh, we're just, we're just going to be locked at the hip here for a while. That's just going to be, that's going to be the way that it is. And then uh, we're doing our best to stay in touch with friends, with pictures, phone calls, videos, and all that other stuff. But I, ju I just have to say, I just, I, I've really been feeling for parents out there uh, that are juggling all these things at one time. The reason I bring this up, uh, I started reading some stories last night of people that, have, that are healthcare workers. Uh, that have taken their lives as a result of what they've seen. Uh, two healthcare workers I read about last night, one at EMT in New York, uh, a young kid, 23 years old. He had seen a lot of people die, and he felt guilty that he couldn't save them. Um, and people were dying in ambulances as this thing was really peaking. Over 18,000 people now have passed away uh, in New York. And then there was a 49-year-old woman that was a hotshot medical student. She was an amazing doctor. Uh, and she was the director of an ICU unit in New York City. And she had gone in uh, and she had fought this virus. She caught the virus. She went home. She got better. She went back in again to fight the virus. And then uh, she had ended up calling her parents in the past couple of days because she was really having a hard time. So uh, she reconnected with her parents. She didn't have a history of mental illness. Uh, and she ended up taking her life um, as a result of what she saw. And what she told her parents is just all the people that she saw dying in ambulances, uh, they would open up the ambulance doors and they had already passed away. Uh, or she was watching people die alone. And that was really, really hard for her. So I just want to say... Um, we're, because we're wearing these masks now, we don't see each other smile. Uh, it's hard to talk. It's hard to have a conversation. 
We're told not to have a conversation. And we just have to find a way to connect and be warm with each other. I don't, and I was thinking about this last night, Ron. I don't like the word social distancing. Whoever came up with that, I think it's horrible. Uh, because really what we're doing is we are showing love and gratitude for another life by standing six feet apart, if it's, that really it's works. physical distancing. It shouldn't be social distancing. Yeah, there's a commercial, and I forget, I don't know, I think it's a phone commercial or something. I forget what it is, but it says, yeah, we're, we're talking about social distancing, and we shouldn't be social distancing. And I'm like, you're right. Uh, we should come up with a better... Uh, name for that. So anyway, let's look out for each other. If you know first responders, and this happens in events like this, we're first responders. Um, I remember a number of years ago where a big event like this happened and, and two police officers uh, in the South, they, they took their lives while in uniform, sitting in their police cars and wanted to just talk with his children. Uh, there were ICU doctors after they saved a lot of lives and there were lives lost that ended up taking their lives. Let's look out for our responders. There is going to be some real post-traumatic stress, some real PTSD. Um, and then let's look out for each other, it, bringing it back around to the parents. Let's look around for those parents. And sometimes all we can do right now is just check in on each other, and that's going to have to be enough. And, I'll, and I guess I'll just finish this segment. I write something to myself every morning when I wake up. You know, Don, you're, you're enough today. You're enough. You're just, you're just going to have to be enough and, and, uh, and that's going to be okay. So, Hey, coming up. Good uh, job, go grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> hey, coming up on the Ron and Dodd show, we're going to take, uh, a little lighter look, uh, cause that's some pretty heavy stuff right there, you guys. But I think it was important to talk about, uh, Ron, you were saying something really interesting is happening on some dating sites that match right now, right? Yeah, they've had to open up a, uh, a help desk for people that are like, what do I do with this thing? So let's yeah. talk about that. And as a result of COVID-19, um, are there specific things in our universe, in our world that have gotten better? Let's talk about that because I was really astounded by some of the information that I read last night. And then uh, let's also talk about you remember the Manhattan Project? Manhattan Project, I've studied that a lot, um, or I studied it a little. As my mother worked with one of the scientists that was on the Manhattan Project that built the bombs that were sent to Japan, and we all know what happened after that. They say that there's a Manhattan Project of sorts going on right now when it comes to uh, COVID-19. So we're going to talk about that. And then I'm going to brag. Can I do some bragging before I get out of here today? I'm going to brag. So we'll do some you, do, bragging. you do have the best words. Yes, the very best. The beautiful words. Beautiful, beautiful words. It's the Ron and Don Show, episode number 97. Thanks for listening, you guys. Everything's at ronanddon.com. All right, we will see you in about one minute on the other side of this. Thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Please hit subscribe. All right, you guys, episode 97 of the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, we are licensed brokers with Windermere. And not only are we buying houses and selling houses and sitting down with folks, we do something called the Ron and Don Sit Down. We do it virtually now. Uh, and one day we'll be able to do that in person again. I know we will. But, uh, Ron, what is, a, what, is a, what is a Ron and Don Sit Down? Well, I think the, the thing that... If you're in an inflection point in your life and it involves real estate, we want to help you get from here to there. So uh, people are still moving. 
People are still having children. People still have life events in their family that, that require them to move. Folks still are accepting jobs in Seattle and need to move from uh, out of state or even from the east side to Seattle or Seattle to the east side, or uh, you're going to move from uh, down into one of those suburban areas. And uh, that stuff is still happening. Real estate is deemed essential because it's essential. You know, if you've had a, a, a life event and you need to move, you need to move. Uh, and so we sit down with you, uh, Bill, figure out who your team is going to be, and then create a game plan to, to accomplish your real estate dream as close as we can, given the circumstances and the hand that we're dealt. Uh, and it's been exciting to do, actually. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, and that's our job, to build your team. So we'll tell you about Team Katie uh, before we get out of here uh, today. Ron. Match.com. What is going on here? You've been checking out some dating sites. You getting lonely? What's happening? No, I, I uh, am currently dating someone, but uh, Match.com has created a hotline right now um, for coronavirus dating or hmm. dating during COVID-19. And I think it raises some interesting questions even if you're not dating. And so what they're what many people are, are asking is, okay, I meet this person. Um, we're going to have a virtual date similar to what your, your son was, is dealing with. Is that real? Mm. Is it real for me? If you and I, let's say, have a, uh, this call right now, and I posted a picture of us doing the podcast and people were commenting on it on my Facebook. Is this as real as when we're in the same room? If you and I were dating and we decide, hey, we're, we're both going to make dinner and then we're going to sit down for dinner and have a virtual date where we're as if we went out to dinner, is that the same as if we're in the same, in a restaurant together? Um, in, in other words, do I have to be physically with someone to build a genuine connection with them? I, well, I'm going to let you respond to that first. If you were in a, in a dating situation or even a friendship situation, do you have to physically be with them? Yeah, a number of years ago, my Aunt Caroline, uh, she was dying, and my grandfather would die in his 80s. She would live to be 19 more years. On her deathbed, we discovered letters that we didn't know about. My, my granddad, when he was younger, raced, heart, raced horses for Arm & Hammer baking soda, and he would travel around in a rail car all around the country. He met my grandmother when he was back in the Midwest, and so he started to email her in Zoom call. Uh, <laughs> exactly no so what did he do he started writing her letters and we got to go through her drawers and read these letters and he traveled for almost three years but he wrote her all the time and she eventually would start to write back and you look at their love story and letters and then you see how that love story played out what it allowed is there to be the gift of time to really uh, to get to know know someone. My grandmother always said you should date someone through all four seasons of life so that you can see what they're like. You think of what Chris Rock says. Hey, ladies, when you meet a man, you're not meeting that man. Uh, you're meeting his representative. You meet that real man about six months later. So I think, you know, a lot of times, especially for guys, when we're meeting someone for the first time, uh, we're hoping at some point to you know, to have some kind of physical connection with them. The physical connection has been, has been taken away here. Uh, and I can't speak for ladies cause I'm not one, but I know that's certainly a driver for men. And I imagine that is for women too. 
on this, just just having conversations, I think there is a real uh, there's a real possibility here as life slows down uh, to make a better connection and not just a swipe right or a swipe left connection, but to really connect with somebody, uh, to write a poem, to write some poetry, to think about somebody and to not have those spaces filled in with, well, if it's not working out with her, I'm going to jump back in on this app and that app and I'm going to swipe all over the place. So, uh, what, what is, what is happening on these phone lines right now though, that you can't achieve, uh, just by trying to connect with someone online. And, and, and I do have to say this. When I have tried online dating uh, before all this happened, people have got to stop it. Stop it with uh, filtering your face. <laughs> with the Photoshop of the face? I would, meet, I would meet people and I would walk into a restaurant and somebody would, would wave at your coffee shop and you're like, I don't even, who, like, like, who the hell are you? Because people go out and they, and they filter their face or what they do is they try to take pictures with like their younger daughter and they try to confuse you about, hey, is it my daughter or is it me? And then there's a bunch of group shots with like 29 people and you're like, well, I think I, I think my date is in there somewhere. So uh, no, the phasing of the face, the filtering of the face, uh, and then and then also, I don't think grown women uh, should be putting like deer antlers on their head or kitten tails or kitten ears or whatever the hell that is. As soon as I see that, I know that there is something wrong. And then when you put the little kitten thing on yours and you phase your face and then you do the really tight shots so we can't see you. <sighs> and then men, uh, I've talked to a lot of women, they love it if you're shirtless holding a fish <laughs> on a boat. You got to have that shot in there. Yeah. Women absolutely love yeah. that. What do, you, what do you think though? I think, I think there's a real opportunity. And I, I think the other thing is this. We're sitting at home. People are watching more TV you're watching a lot of country stars and you're watching a lot of artists on Facebook and YouTube, especially a lot of couples. I was watching Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton. They have a new single out. It's number one. And then the quote that you see of Gwen Stefani is, and I wrote it down here. It says, quote, I can't believe I get to know you. That's Gwen Stefani. And we all know what happened with Gavin Rosdale, right? And then you have Blake Shelton, and we all know what happened with Amanda Lambert. So it's like these two are together now, and she says, quote, I can't believe I get to know you. Like, where is that woman in my life? Where's that woman that says, I can't believe I get to know you? So that's a real romantic idea right there. And if you love the idea of romance, you go searching for your Blake Shelton, your Gwen Stefani. And where do you find that? Not on match with the phased out face and the little kitten ears and the little tight shots. And I think I just struck a nerve here. Holy cow. That was good stuff. <laughs> it's funny. I, th I think you just said it all. I don't have anything to add to that. I don't have anything to add. Yeah. You, you can thank Grandpa. Love you, Grandpa. <laughs> GrandpaDating.org. I'm having another. I'm ha you should get a picture of my, my grandpa. All right. Let me stand by. Hold on. Put make sure you get a make All sure right. Get a, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put a, capture this. Here we go. Yeah. Make sure you get a picture of that. Love you, Grandpa. All right. I got it. Okay. Hey, uh, we come back. Don't go anywhere. Uh, there's some scientists 
that say they have the ear of the president and they're going to solve this thing, the COVID-19 thing. And what do they want in return? It might surprise you. We'll talk about that on the other side of this. Ron and Don. Ron and Don. Ron and Don. Ron. <laughs> hey, you guys, welcome back. It's episode 97 of the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, we're licensed brokers with Windermere. So if you'd like to do a sit down or Ron and Don sit down, uh, just write us. Uh, Ron at Windermere.com, Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. And uh, we can do that virtually now. Hey, Ron, as we, as, as we look around the world, and sometimes it's hard to remember that this is a worldwide pandemic, and then all of a sudden you'll see a picture of downtown Milan, for instance, and there's nobody out. Or you'll see a picture of Bourbon Street, and there's nobody out. Or you'll see a picture of the Eiffel Tower, there's nobody out. You see a picture of Antarctica. Everybody's out because this COVID-19 hasn't hit Antarctica yet. So we'll all run for Antarctica. All nine people. Yeah, There's actually, though, when you, when you look at Mother Earth, for instance, when you look at the oceans, uh, when you look at what wildlife is doing, what whales are doing, how they're responding, how dolphins are responding to this, how you see wild animals now beginning to take over parks again, like Yosemite, like they used to because a lot of those tourists are gone. Uh, when you look at the, the boat traffic, the ship traffic, the sea traffic, uh, we have a second vessel now that is a, a Navy vessel uh, for the United States that is now heading back because it has a COVID-19 outbreak. Um, there's actually been some really good things that have happened here when you look at the atmosphere, when you look at ozone, and when you look at the world oceans, right? Yeah, I mean, the one that got me the most was dolphins coming up the Venice Canal. And yeah. Italy, and people were like, what? Like, right. they, nobody had seen a dolphin in that canal in, in decades. Yeah. And, and so to see that, and, and you're right, it's remarkable to see the Earth sort of uh, exhaling, in a sense, and, and healing up. Um, obviously, that's at an incredible cost of, uh, for human beings. Uh, we, of course, have just deemed the earth as ours, and we could do whatever we want with it. Um, so, uh, and I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but not too far off. Um, uh, in, in trying to figure out, I hope there is a, a pause, in a sense, uh, for like, hey, can we reemerge out of this maybe a little bit differently? Like maybe we tweak the way we do shipping or maybe we tweak how many airplanes uh, are going to go back into the air uh, or the fuel sources that we have, that sort of thing. Um, you had sent me an article about some people that behind the scenes that are trying uh, to do this uh, to figure out a way uh, to solve this problem that I found really interesting for this regard. There's two things on it that, that I think are super interesting. One is it's a group of top scientists and billionaires and, and multimillionaires that have teamed together to make like a, a Manhattan project for COVID-19. And the, the first thing that strikes you when you read the Wall Street Journal they have to figure out a way to get this to the White House and to present it to Donald Trump in a way where he can receive it. That's appalling. If you have a Nobel Prize winning scientist who, by the way, is kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm the least qualified guy in the room. No, you're not. You won the Nobel Prize. Like, you're qualified. Um, but they're saying we have to couch this in a way that is, is appetizing to, to Pence and to Donald Trump. 
they should never have to do that. Their bona fides should open that door, and th this should be something that comes through the front door, not the side door or the back door. So, so that I find really disheartening, that you can't get an audience with the president if you have won the Nobel Prize uh, in microbiology or whatever he wanted it. And then the, the, the second thing that I think is really interesting about this group, uh, and again, some of the brightest minds in the world on this stuff, and I think it's going to, to evolve, the solution is going to evolve similar to maybe like the HIV AIDS uh, thing that, that happened during our lifetime. In this regard, you had a virus that jumped from animals to humans. We'd never seen it before. Obviously, it's different than COVID. It was the transmission mechanism is different. But there's this incredible push from humanity to try to cure this thing. And it never really got cured. It became manageable. And it was a death sentence for a long time and all around the world, HIV AIDS. And now if you live in the, in the, in the kind of a first world country, it's not a death sentence anymore. It's, it's managed by pharmaceuticals. Uh, it's managed by a lot of different uh, drug combinations. And there's sort of an awareness of how it operates now that basically means it's, it's no longer a death sentence. And so I think a thing like COVID, I was talking to a, a friend of mine that uh, is way more versant than this than I am. I was like, yeah, that's probably going to be the track. You're going to have uh, uh, the Manhattan Project of COVID. They're going to come up with ways to kind of manage this. You're going to have some, some therapeutics and, and pharmacy type of situations that will make it manageable. And then we'll get some sort of semblance of herd immunity. And it will flare up from time to time, but we'll have a management strategy that uh, is effective enough for us to get back to normal, but most likely it's never going to go away or it's not going to go away anytime soon. That, that to me seems like it makes the most sense. Yeah. Well, and the, the, the interesting thing about the Manhattan Project, if you're not familiar with that, it was a group of scientists here in the States, but there were scientists all over the world that were trying to build these bombs and to, uh, to try to understand the structure of an atom. Uh, in fact, there were a group of scientists in Germany, and they say they were about nine months behind in Germany, about nine months behind. Uh, and what happened is some of those scientists who had been captured earlier uh, ended up, and I don't know if this is a true story or not. This is shared with me at a Keros in Albuquerque, New Mexico, I'm sitting there with a 98-year-old man. He's getting ready to pass. Uh, and his nurse at the is, Caros? Yeah, at the Caros. I don't know if you ever had food there, but come on. He's with his nurse. He's sick. He's going to pass away. Uh, and before he does, he's willing to kind of talk. And he worked with my mother, was his administrator, uh, at a laboratory. And these are the laboratories that helped build these bombs uh, back in uh, New Mexico. I had a chance to sit with him for hours and talk to him about the Manhattan Project. And Ron, he said the choice was they put a gun to his head, whether they put a gun to his head or not, I don't know. He says Allied forces put a gun to his head and said, hey, would you like, A, to have a bullet in your head now, B, maybe to be in a stockade for the rest of your life and be sentenced to death, or C, would you like to go to New Mexico 
and continue your work on the Manhattan Project. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go with door number three. Land on the enchantment. Here I come. Yeah, so when you look at the Manhattan Project, that just wasn't American scientists that were working on that. These are scientists that have been captured in other countries and brought here, and they all work together uh, to build those bombs. And some people believe to stop the war ultimately. But, boy, uh, they paid a tremendous price for that. So, nonetheless, that's what they're trying to do here. Uh, And to your point, Ron, which is a great point, here you have all these venture capitalists. Uh, the guy who's leading this thing is a doctor and a venture capitalist. And you're dealing with all these billionaires. And these billionaires, can you imagine being at a, a cocktail party and you're a billionaire and you're like, who are you? And you're like, yeah, I was on the, uh, the Manhattan Project for COVID-19. And we basically solved the world health issue. That would give you a little cachet, I would think, at any cocktail party. I think it would. I agree with you. And these guys are saying, do you believe them? And then we'll finish it here. They're saying it has nothing to do about money. Uh, they have all the money they need. They just do, they're just trying to do the right thing. I believe that. Like, when you have a billion dollars, yeah. you know how to make money. Yeah. Like, it, it's not, it's like, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay the rent this month? You, you understand how to make money. Like, yeah. they, this is something that they just want to give back. I, I totally believe that. Anyway, check it out. Scientists to stop COVID-19. And uh, if you want to track that, that was in the Wall Street Journal, uh, I believe. It's the article where I found it. So uh, I'm going to read something real quick. I'm going to brag. Uh, I was pretty jacked up this week because... Uh, Ron and I haven't talked a lot about selling homes, buying homes. Why, why haven't we talked about that a lot, Ron? Because we, we continue to do that, but we haven't talked about it. Well, I think it just the timing was wrong. Like, this was a time to be a resource to the community. And I got a lot of folks that reached out to me and just said, hey, hearing you and Don talk gives me a sense of normalcy in a very anxious time. And so uh, it just didn't feel right, to yeah. me at least. Yeah, I had a friend reach out to me and, and she said, hey, you haven't, I looked at your Facebook page and you haven't talked about real estate for almost a month and a half. And she said, are you still doing real estate? And I said, actually, we've been doing a lot of real estate, but uh, what Ron just said. So i uh, going to read this to you before we get out of here today. Ron, do you have any uh, final thoughts? Episode number 97. Don't forget, we're licensed brokers with Windermere. Reach out to us, Ron, at windermere.com, Don O'Neill at windermere.com. Uh, we had somebody reach out to us the other day, and they're probably six six months to a year away from doing something, but at least we're able to start putting a team together and come up with a strategy. And in fact, we prefer having lots of runway. So if we're out buying, uh, we can get you maximum value. And if we're selling, that we can get you maximum dollars. Uh, sometimes, though, you have a very short runway and it's time to sell. We have a client uh in fact we're gonna put her condo in Piala up for sale this weekend and it's like hey she had a life change time to go and and so it's time to go so we can turn on a dime we can pivot but it's nice to have have that runway isn't it and, and you have a lot of energy for a grandpa <laughs> but good for you yeah all right anyway uh we're recording this by the way on a early early tuesday morning it's time to go wake my son up with bacon and uh, get the school day going. So I wrote uh, my Facebook page this week. It said, you know, I'm not going to brag. No, I am going to brag. In fact, uh, you can't stop me. And this is really, this is a lot of bragging right here. 
But I'm going to tell you right now, I could have said more. There could have been more. Are you bragging about your, your lack I, of bragging? I am. I could have bragged more. I looked at this and I'm like, should I even publish this? Because this is so braggy. And and like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then usually you wake up in the morning, you feel kind of bad about it. I stand by this. I stand by what I wrote. Anyway, so I've climbed Mount Rainier. I've raced a bike across America. I've run a marathon in the woods. I've raced NASCAR. I've practiced in pads with the Raiders. I scored a three against Antoine Jameson for the Golden State Warriors. See, I couldn't put in here that I took batting practice with the A's and I was three for 10. I didn't put that in here. I could have. That I threw out the first pitch for the Oakland A's. Could have put that in there. Didn't do that. Uh, anyway, I said I spoke to millions on the radio and I've worked to raise 12 million more for charities that I adore. But I have never sold a house on the first day we were told to shelter in place during a worldwide pandemic. Until this closed on Friday, bam! Does that sound like Emerald Lagasse there? You did, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, then I go on to say I'd like you guys to meet Katie with the purple hair. She's the best part. She's part of the Ron and Don Nation. She is a stone-cold warrior at Children's Hospital, and she makes the best split pea soup ever. I don't know if you got any of her split pea soup, Ron, but it's really good. Uh, Katie, thank you for trusting us. We did it. Team Katie. In fact, Ron created Team Katie. And uh, here's our journey. If you need us, let's sit down. Love you all. And thanks for putting up with my braggadocious behavior tonight. And then there are pictures of our time with Katie from meeting her at the sit down and then uh, working on her property, bringing it to market, selling it. And then uh, she's just going to take a couple months off here. Enjoy the fact that her home is sold. She's staying at Airbnb for a couple months. And then we'll start the journey of finding her next home. So um, anyway, braggadocious, but I'm every once in a while, Ron, you got to spike the football, right? That's true. Or make the three for me. Just as a side note, you did oh. not put any balls in play against the Oakland A's. I, you, you forget, I was standing there contact. Being, being Vin Scully. High contact. Doing the playoff. Dude, you fouled it off. Con- it didn't matter. Make it out of the infield. I still had the and bat. This is, a, this is a batting practice coach. You weren't up against big league arms. I he still was the batting practice coach. He was about seventy-five years old. He was throwing true. the ball from the, in front of the mound behind the screen. <laughs> That's true. <And> you, <laughs> you barely got the barrel of the bat on the ball. It was foul ball behind first base huh. three times, and then the rest of the time. You missed the ball by like a foot and a half. I was standing right there. You know what's extraordinary about that, though? It's the Oakland A's. They, their attendance usually was 1,500 to 2,000 people, maybe. And they were so desperate to have people out there. I'm in full uniform taking batting practice with them before a real baseball game. Before a re- Can you imagine going to the Mariners and it's like, hey, Edgar, you're up. No, you're not. I am. And I mean, I'm, I'm, and it wasn't in some batting cage. I'm at home plate taking batting practice before a game against the Angels with the Oakland A's. I will give you this. When you get take a cut, you give it everything you got. Everything. I mean, and, go- and golf, too. You, you, don't, you don't hit the ball very much, but if you did, <laughs> that ball would still be going. <laughs> All right, man. Anyway, training day. How are you, how are you doing with uh, uh, training? And then we'll get out of here. You saw – you saw me and my son in training day mode yesterday. I'm not training. 
You're not. Okay. And we'll get to that a different story in a different day. I got a lot yeah. going on right now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna t- make sure you ask me in the next episode uh, how much weight I gained and where I am at now because uh, I got the COVID nineteen. I think I gained almost nineteen. So, hey, you guys, thanks for stopping by. Episode ninety seven means the world to us. It really does. Don't forget, you can reach out to us on our Facebook pages. You can reach out Ron. Uh, also, you can write him Ron at windermere.com or Don O'Neill at windermere.com. Don't forget today, you are enough. This is going to continue to get better. There are good things going on in this world right now, especially when it comes to the oceans and the streams and the lakes, the seas, skies. A lot of good things. A lot of good things happening with parents right now. Connections that we are making uh, that will be lifelong connections. And there will be these bonds that we have with our kids. Uh, they will remember this. Uh, They will remember these bonds that we've created. So don't forget today, you're enough. And guys, if you know a first responder, uh, sometimes we think that they are bulletproof, literally, and they're not. And this is creating a lot of trauma for them. So if you know a cop, if you know a police officer, if you know a doctor, if you know a nurse, a healthcare worker, even somebody that's out, I can't imagine what it's like to work in a grocery store or be an Amazon delivery driver right now. Let's make sure we continue to reach out and pull down those masks every once in a while when we're six feet apart and we actually talk to each other. Let that person see your smile, all right? Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you for episode 98 this week. It's the Ron and Don only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. I think I just said it's the Ron and Don. <laughs> awesome see you grandpa keep your head up and your shoulders back and we'll see you next time on the ron and don radio network